Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club. It's now six wins out of six in all competitions for the Jambos this season, six points out of a potential six uh, in the Scottish Premiership for their return. And joining me, Adam Kennedy, to discuss all things HMFC is Daniel McIver. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing very, very well. Uh, I've got this whole week booked off work because it's my birthday on Wednesday, so doing absolutely nothing, loving it. And on top of that, not only are we actually doing well at football, (laughs) which is genuinely a rare occurrence, not only are we technically top of the week, but you and me got a score prediction right for the first time the actual score both of us it's a podcast first and to be honest it's no real surprise when we found out this week we're the 95th most popular podcast on apple had to get that in there that's class thank you everybody for the support how are you flying mate um i'm on cloud nine whether it be with hearts on the park (laughs) obviously the pod off the park um yeah, man, I, I, I'm in a really good mood. I'm feeling much more optimistic than I entered the season. So, yeah, that <laughs> that first defeat's going to hit hard. But of course, <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into today's episode, um, we've got a little giveaway actually to mark our our fifty first episode, our fiftieth anniversary, as you rightfully touched on last week. Yeah. Um, courtesy of our friends at Goal Frame Prints. Now, to win this fantastic print. Of John Souter's winner against Celtic. I'm going to hold that up to the camera so people can see it. You'll probably have seen it kicking about on Twitter. Um, But to win that fantastic print, frame included, um, all you've got to do is ensure that you are subscribed to the Perth Paisley YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, that little subscribe button down below, click that and you're in with a shout. Uh, Along with following at Prints on Twitter. We'll obviously put the links out in a little tweet and whatnot, but it's at Goalframe Prints on Twitter, follow them, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you could win that cracking print. Now, obviously, we are aware that not everybody has YouTube accounts because either you, you're not with Gmail as your uh, email provider or you just don't have a YouTube uh, channel or account or anything like that. So don't worry, you can still be in with winning it. You just need to be following ourselves at Perth to Paisley. And this little video will be a clip that we do now because we're very high-end technologically wise we now send out the wee teaser that is what this wee excerpt is so if you retweet this tweet follow us and then of course follow the accounts that adam mentioned as well you're also in with a shout we didn't just want to limit it to oh you have to be subscribed to the youtube but please if you can do subscribe to us on youtube it massively helps everything but yeah in for a shout for that fantastic print it looks class it's different class, mate, and they cater to fans of all clubs, not just solely heart sprint. So if you know of anybody, make a cracking birthday gift, Christmas gift, all that shenanigans, um, and you can check them out, obviously, on Twitter and on their website. Of course, before we get stuck into Hearts' stunning win over St Mirren in Paisley, we are going to go around the grounds and have a little touch on uh, elsewhere in the Scottish Premiership. Another fantastic and fascinating weekend uh, in Scotland's top tier. Obviously, the Hearts match was one of only two games on the Saturday, um, and that was preceded by uh, Dundee United's 1-0 victory over Rangers. Did you catch any of that, McIver? I did. I saw the highlights on Sports Scene. Um, 
I, I don't think anyone would have predicted anybody really to beat Rangers this early on in the campaign, but especially not a Dundee United team who I spoke a couple of weeks about, how I thought they were going to get relegated. Their awful display against Aberdeen just compounded that for me. But it wasn't even really a smash and grab. It was quite deserved because Rangers just didn't look like the Rangers we've seen in this kind of 40-game dominance that they've had domestically. <laughs> no, they, they, they were very poor. And I think that was kind of coupled with them, I don't want to say limping past Livingston on the opening day, but it certainly didn't appear as routine as perhaps the scoreline suggested. Um of course, there was a, a quartet of uh, uh, matches on Sunday afternoon with Celtic beating Dundee 6-0 at Parkhead, uh, Hibs beating Ross County 3-0 at Easter Road, Aberdeen scraped past Livingston courtesy of a 94th minute winner at the Tony Macaroni, and St Johnston and Motherwell shared the spoils at McDermott Park in a one all draw. Um, your thoughts in regards to, to those four? Um, I have kind of like a point on each game. First of all, Absolutely loving the fact that Celtic fans are like, that's it, we're back now after they beat James McPaked's newly promoted Dundee side through the playoffs at Celtic Park. Yeah, well done. That's it. Ten in a row somehow back on. Let's get it going. Um, obviously, Furihashi in particular looks great. Like, he, he looks fantastic. I am terrified at facing him. We'll come to that later on, but yes. Exactly. That's, uh, far from encouraging from a heart's perspective. <laughs> Definitely. They, they, they looked good, but it is Dundee. Hibs, <laughs> it was very routine from them. Obviously, 3-0 up at half-time. It's one of those weird games as a Hearts fan where you're like, oh no, Hibs are winning. But Malky Mackay's sad. So therefore, I'll take it. Like, I'll take Hibs winning on this one exception. Fair play to you, Hibs, on that account. Um, we were speaking just before we started recording. Aberdeen getting the most out-of-nowhere lucky winner that was... I'll be honest, from the highlights, it looked like a reasonably even game. Like, it didn't seem that much in it. I saw Martindale afterwards was speaking that he... He doesn't feel that they deserve to take nothing from the game. And, and it was just a complete freak accident. And then St Johnston Motherwell. St Johnston, I don't know if it's because they have that added pressure of playing in Europe, which obviously affects teams. But from what we've seen so far, they don't look like the St Johnston of last season. No, they don't. I, I think, was it last season even under Callum Davidson, they got off to a bit of a stuttering start. And mm -hmm. I think it's only yeah. then that they're formed toward the back end. Coupled with obviously the the both trophies um, being hauled, yeah, I'd, I don't know. They just seem to have a, a season of two halves. Um, elsewhere, Hibbs game was done in half an hour. That could have been mm -hmm. another Parkhead scoreline. Celtic, I mean, they, we touched on the boy Furuhashi. He scored a hat trick. He could have had about six or seven, <laughs> um, and that's genuinely no exaggeration. Mm -hmm. But Aberdeen, man, just raging really not happy I just I thought they were so bad that first half um, yeah but obviously to come out with three points at a, a notoriously tricky venue as Livy can often prove speaks volumes so that'll be interesting when we host them at Tynecastle um, <laughs> a, a week on Saturday is it so yeah, yeah. Um, but of course I mean we've, we're brushing over those games nobody really gives a toss in comparison to Hearts claiming their first win against St Mirren in Paisley since 2012. Their first league win in Renfrewshire 
against the Buddies since 2010. I mean, that record. That I, I had a look at it last time. That that Scottish Cup quarter-final replay, Jamie Hamill and Rudy Scatchell were our goal scorers the last time we beat St Mirren in Paisley. How bad a record is that? Now, obviously, I did see some people go, yeah, but... There's been times in between them that they've not been in the same league as us and stuff like that. So I, I will here. say, we did bypass St Mirren and that we got promoted and they were relegated and then they had two further seasons in the championship. But I'm not having it. But it's still it's it's <laughs> mental if you don't beat them in a season. Like if you go a season, it's like oh god, that's not very good. Eleven years we've beat, no, beat them in the league. We've been in the league with them for yeah. at least half of that time. Like. It's Giving them just, a couple doings at Tiny as well in recent memory as well. Exactly. It's just absolutely atrocious. But, thankfully, that monkey's off our back and hopefully it means that it's a statement and that, as I said to you last week, the worry I had was that we were going to do the usual hearts and that we have a great performance at home against Celtic where no one's expecting us to get anything despite how poorly Celtic have been recently, it's still Hearts versus Celtic. We then win that, and it would have been so us to then just go and not win. I, I always want to call it Love Street. It's not Love Street anymore. You're a traditionalist like that. I'm a bit like that yeah, myself. Like, I, th- I, I think it's, is it the Smyzer Stadium now? No idea. I cannot remember what it's called. <laughs> but Don't even know what it stands for. St Mirren something supporters association. Is it? Like. Yeah, it's something like that. Sorry. But, thank God, that's over. Absolutely, and that was down to the Jambos making just the one sole change, which was, of course, enforced. Peter Haring replacing the ill Stephen Kingsley, so the Jambos lined up as follows. It was Craig Gordon in goal, the back three of John Souter, Craig Halkett, and it appeared to be Alex Cochran taking up that Stephen Kingsley role. Michael Smith at right wing back, Andy Halliday at left wing back. Benny Baningime, gonna go with. I think that's right. Still not 100% sure. Um, I like Beningame. I like Beningame because <laughs> Benny Beningame is great to see. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Peter Haring was obviously joining Benny Beningame. We'll go with. I just, I just like Benny Boy. <laughs> it, it, it's going to fluctuate, isn't it? Um, yeah. And Josh Janelli and Gary Mackay Stephen supported Liam Boyce in attack. Um, I think there was. A fair bit of surprise that Stephen Kingsley, certainly un- unknown to the vast majority of people looking at the lineup, appeared to be dropped, injured. Um, but for the most part, were you happy to see Robbie stick with 10 out of that 11? Yeah, 100%. I think it's pretty clear he would have just played the exact same starting 11 if Kingsley was back. Uh, it was quite a surprise because Kingsley had done the uh, pre-match interview on Hearts TV. He was the player doing media duties, so it was kind of like, what's happened? Like, has he broken his ankle in training? But very quickly, the official Twitter account said, no, he just misses out due to illness. So obviously, we hope he's all right. We hope we don't want to kind of just like wonder what it is because that's awful to do. But hope everyone's all right. With the actual team, I thought you can't really make changes. You can't go in after that game that we had against Celtic and suddenly change up the team. I think it did speak to one thing, that when you looked at the bench, it kind of told the story of how light we actually are. If there is 
any form of injury crisis because players like who will get into and we spoke about last week as well like Jordan Roberts, Popescu and stuff like that have clearly no future left at the club. They're just not going to be there. So there was like half the bench was made up with under 20s, under 19s. We didn't have really any midfield options on the bench because it was mostly attackers or defenders. So the starting 11 was genuinely faultless. I was actually delighted that Herring was back in the side because of something we'll speak about later, I'm a little bit worried about Peter Herring's time at the club. But I'm worried about that bench because if we need to turn the game, we have Nandvalley and that's kind of it. Yeah, I, I, I was going to touch on that with regards to kind of additions um, because that's that's a talking point for later on, but I think that was mm-hmm. the primary concern. I don't think anybody's got any real kind of bugbears within that starting eleven, do they, really? No. Um, it's weird as well. It's weird to have Hearts fans kind of universally like, this is the team. <laughs> is that just because we're, I don't know, being brainwashed into thinking that it's you know a fantastic 11 due to that premier sports cup campaign then we happen to beat celtic and all of a sudden we're you know the gorgie galacticos once again yeah exactly hey if that is the case it's working so far don't change anything no of course and listen that first 11 very nearly gave us the lead early on and there was a chance a piece before hearts would open the scoring and the northern irishman linking up Michael Smith at right wing back obviously puts in a ball in search of Liam Boyce who just narrowly nods wide. Um, Curtis Main then goes up the other end, drags past Craig Gordon's left hand post um, but Hearts would open the scoring courtesy of number 16 in the 16th minute. Um, A lovely cutback from Liam Boyce, our guest last week. Make sure you go and check that out while you're here. Um, Got got to chuck that in there. Um, After some patient build up uh, with Smith and Haring exchanging passes, Benny <laughs> finds Liam Boyce, um, and he obviously then cuts back. A phenomenal finish from Andy Halliday. Mm-hmm. You have been very critical of Andy Halliday uh, in the past. Are you beginning to eat some humble pie to an extent? Yeah, 100%, and I'm loving every second of it. Uh, I said that on Twitter. like Last season, I was really critical of Halliday, and... I completely stand by that. I think he was atrocious for the majority of last season. I think he had flashes of good performances, but overall, I I was wanting him to leave in this, this summer, basically. I was like, I don't want him to play. I still think his best position is where he was against St Mirren in that left wing-back role. I, I hope to see him there. But you almost can't fault him so far this season in the Premier Sports Cup, barring the Inverness game. I don't think he's had a bad performance. And then in the league, I don't think he was great against Celtic, but I'm not going to criticise him too much. He was on the end of a 2-1 victory over Celtic. Like, that's incredible. And especially at the weekend there, I thought he was very good overall in terms of his all-round game. But the finish was amazing. It's It's a really hard finish as well because it almost bounces just as it gets to him. But he he said himself after it that he just kind of wanted to guide it into that far right-hand corner the goalkeeper's left. Executes it perfectly, doesn't he? Given it takes that little bobble, like you say. Um, We're going to have a little bit of a a disclaimer right here, right now. I didn't watch the game live, 
And if you were watching the podcast last week, you'll know exactly why. Because whenever my dad and I have set foot in Paisley, I'm fully convinced we've not seen Hearts win in Paisley as a father-son duo. So we sat down, Soccer Saturday, I didn't touch my phone for the entire duration of the 90 minutes, bar retweeting when Hearts scored off the Perth to Paisley account. I thought, sack that, I'm just going to sit, watch Jeff and the boys, hope that my bets come in. None of them did, although I was a Peterborough goal away from £150, never mind. Um, And yeah, just thought, chill out, we're going to wait, see what happens on the video printer. Come that first goal, I was up off the sofa. I was just ecstatic. Um, but a, a, a great goal, having obviously now <laughs> seen the highlights back. Um, <laughs> and it could have got even better. As Gary McKay Stephen looked to put Hearts two to the good uh, following a counter-attack. There was a Joe Shaughnessy header from a, a St Mirren corner, but that looped over the bar. Um, however, our boy Benny uh, fouls Jamie McGrath as advantage is given. Um, and a Saint shot is then blocked. Hearts look to counter. Liam Boyce feeds Peter Haring, sprays it out wide to Josh Ginelli, who then cuts back inside, tries to search out the Austrian again on the edge of the box, um, and Gary McKay-Steven picks up and then stabs it wide. The home crowd were restless enough then. I think it would have been absolutely hilarious had Hearts then gone 2-0 up. Um, but do you reckon that we could have made more of that chance, mate? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, overall, that opening 20 to 25 minutes is like some of the best I've seen us away from home in literal years. Like, barring Wraith away last season, where we just seemed to be class. Like, I don't know what it was, but at Starks, we were amazing last season. But barring that, and obviously the last few years in the Premiership, we've just been dreadful away from home, both in results and in performance. But that opening 25 in particular, we were fantastic, like genuinely fantastic, completely dominant, actually looking dangerous with the ball, not just having the ball for having the ball's sake. It was constantly pressing. Everybody looking to take it on. I definitely do feel that Gary mckay Stephen could have done better at that chance, 100%. Um, he's kind of fallen back as he hits it, and I think he's, gain, he's he thinks he's been shut down better than he actually is so he kind of just has to take it but I wasn't really bothered that he missed it because it was like we're doing really really well here just keep going and again you know the proofs of the pudding you've said it there um GMS again blazes over following a long ball from John Suter lovely little dummy from Josh Ginelli um before it's then sent high wide not very handsome um but You've touched on the opening 20-25 minutes. How are you feeling with regards to that first half on the whole? Because by all accounts, Hearts were in control ahead um, and perhaps could have extended their lead prior to the break. Yeah, I think, as I say, that 25 minutes was fantastic. And then, in fairness to him, Jim Goodwin made a tactical switch. He moved, I think, is it Jamie McGrath? Yeah, further forward, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, so he he pushed them up and it meant that he started to become far more involved in the game, which I thought he would have been from the first whistle, just hearing about him and obviously the interest from down south as well. Yeah, he, he does look like a really good player and as soon as that tactical switch happened, St Mirren really started to come into the game. And particularly in the last 15 minutes, they looked 
really dangerous as you said they hit the bar through Richard Tate it was offside but still at the bar Jim McGrath put in several really good set pieces and just crosses generally in that first half and I definitely think we deserve to take our lead in the break the one problem not so much problem because it didn't matter in the end especially when you look at the game in 90 minutes but I felt that kind of when Jim Goodwin made that switch to allow McGrath to kind of have a bit more freedom, we made the switch that we made against Celtic where we started to sit in a bit more. And obviously we'll get into the second half and I feel like that really continued as well. And I, I just worry about that a wee bit. It's not come back to bite us yet. in either game. Yeah, but it could have in both games because it was such a narrow victory. Obviously... We will speak about what happened later in the game. They could have got a result out of that if it wasn't for a moment of madness from them. I I really think Robbie deserves so much credit for how he set us up and what he's doing. And I want to speak about that more later as well. But the last 15 minutes of that first half really kind of went, oh God, we're sitting in again. We're inviting more and more pressure. And kind of the hope is just that we'll be able to stay solid and that they won't be able to penetrate through us. Do you think that was then sort of exemplified by the fact that we're approaching half-time and, again, it's kind of a case of seeing it out, ride that wave till half-time, regroup, and then make alterations after that? Because even when I watched the highlights back, that second half, they seemed to come out all guns blazing again. Yet, immediately, after the second half started, in about the 46th and a half minute, they knew he scored. Like, Eamon Brophy just... is a couple, doesn't he? Where he sends a couple left-footed efforts, um, sort of down C- CG's throat in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that was... Ca- not panic stations, but that's where I started going, like, we need to waken up here. Like, they've come out... F- clearly, Goodwins went to them at half-time. Listen... 25 minutes, we didn't do very well, we conceded, but we rode it out so that it wasn't, we're not away from us here, we're still very much in this game, and we've ended the half probably stronger, we need to keep coming out and firing, whereas I imagine Nielsen went, listen, keep doing what you're doing, because it's fine, we're staying solid, and that's what I'm saying, I don't want to be too critical, because we were, we were really solid, the only time I can't think of us being like on it was when they conceded, but apart from that, this system is clearly working really well defensively. I don't know if it's because both the midfielders are more defensive. Herring and Benny, or when Halliday's there, I know Halliday does like to go forward sometimes, but he's generally quite defensive. I don't know if it just adds that extra support so to the So then Smith three. and Halliday can push on and whatnot. Yeah, 100%. So it doesn't, it doesn't leave our defence exposed when the fullbacks push up. But I do feel like not that we rode our luck at times, but there was times where you were like, how are we still ahead in this? I think we probably rode our luck more against Celtic than St Mirren yeah. down to the perceived yeah. quality of the team. But I still think, you know, I, I touched on Jamie McGrath last week. I also think that Curtis Main and Eamon Brophy are a handful. Um, and they appear to stretch, you know, any defensive unit that they come up against. I mentioned Brophy could add a couple there. There's one where Alex Cochran looks the kind of head clear, um, but seems to nod it straight to Curtis Main. Um, and yeah. why he goes for some like Paolo Di Canio-esque volley, I don't know, because he's got more time to sort of take it down and then try and bend one. But I don't know. It, 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 is how defensive that we are at times a concern? 
or do you think we've got sufficient quality to ride it out? Because Mihai Popescu has been told that he's surplus to requirements. We haven't really been linked with a centre half as of yet. We've been linked with a midfielder, which then could lead to something, but we'll get to that later on. We've both spoken about defensively that that was a concern for us last year, yet all we've brought in is Alex Cochran. Are you satisfied with that or no? I'd, I'd like another centre-half in purely just because it it provides cover and competition and you need that, for especially when you're playing three centre-halves. You can't just have it that those three centre-halves feel that they can play whenever. It doesn't matter how their form is. We need that extra cover. I will say, though, I thought that was Halkett's best game for us. Maybe ever. That um, might have been his best game ever. He was, he was my man of the match, personally. He was... He was just fantastic, like almost faultless. I know he's kind of at fault for the goal, but he's got two guys behind him, and it's more Nandwili who's at the post. I was going to say, I think it's a combination of he and Nandwili. I'm surprised you said that about Halkett because there was various times under Levine where he sort of bailed Craig Levine out with that's fair late goals. But I guess in a defensive sense, that's probably right. What would you put that down to? This three at the back because he's played it at Livingston or whatnot. It's I think it's fifty percent that that it's now finally a system where he goes right. I'm comfortable in this. He's he's the middle of the three, so he doesn't have to carry the ball out, which isn't his style. He's more that's of a sweeper so as well. And that's the other addition. Caviar. Suter coming in has just calmed everything down because I felt I felt Halkett had very much a kind of 50-50 season last year where half of it I was like I don't think you're getting enough criticism because of who you're who's beside you at all times and either bear or perpest you but on like the other side of that you can't criticise him too much because he is constantly having to be like I'm like the only good centre half here I'm constantly have to worry about what is going to do what bear is going to do I'm going to have to do this I'm going to have to do all roles and when we had the four Halkett often had to carry the ball out and he's not good at that I'm not saying that as an insult or a negative to him he doesn't need to be when we're playing in this system Kingsley's good at it Cochran I thought actually looked quite good at it on Saturday Suter is brilliant at it like Suter that's his bread and butter that on Saturday exemplified it it was Halkett comfortable in the system knowing who he was tracking he didn't let Main and Brophy get much Brophy and Main were very much restricted to shots outside the box. They very rarely got chances within it. Looked and a real no-nonsense type, didn't he? Exactly, and that's what you want in that three. You want the two on the outside to have a bit more confidence to be able to take the ball down and play it out either to your wing-backs or drive forward or cut it inside. And you want your central defender, which is the middle of the three, to just be the guy going, I'll put my head on this, I'll put my foot through this, I'll sit back a wee bit deeper when you need me to, and I'll mark the striker out of the game. And I hope Halkett does get the praise that he deserves for Saturday, and I hope it continues. I'm not even really including this uh, weekend's game at Parkhead, because that's such an, like, an anomaly. Anything can happen in those games. But like for the league games going forward, particularly the run that we have in the next kind of month or so, if he can continue that, 
I will understand when people will go, well, we don't really need another start in centre-half. We just need another centre-half in for cover. Which, if we sign a centre-half that is clearly just cover, I'll be happy with that. I don't necessarily think we need another start in centre-half. Purely off the way Halkett has performed this season, it's so crucial to Suter, though, because if Suter gets hurt again or leaves... We're done. <laughs> we're fucked. The system has to change. You can't... Unless we can get another centre-half in with the ball-carrying abilities of Suter, but that'll cost you millions of pounds. Yeah. Um, do you not even think if we went back to a kind of four at the back, he, as a no-nonsense type, with perhaps Stephen Kingsley as a partner would work, or Alex Cochran as a partner would work? I think that's fair. If, if, as long as he doesn't have Popescu or Bearer beside him, I'm far more confident <laughs> in him. Only a 50-50% chance of that now, though, I suppose. I know, I know. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, of course, that was... You know, an improvement in a defensive sense. However, offensively, our guest last week then puts hearts tooth to the good. Um, a Michael Smith throw-in, searches for Armand Nandwili off the bench, falls on the deck but keeps it alive in fairness to him. Um, Benny again at the heart of it, gives it back to GMS on the edge of the box who then searches out for Liam Boyce. Lovely little cut back onto his favoured right foot. And another great, great goal. Fantastic finish. Um, perhaps against the run of play in that second half. I see question marks with regards to Jack Anik. Could he do any better? But then are you thinking that his job done at that stage? I have a more in-depth relationship with Jack Anik than most Hearts fans, considering he spent three... No! Five years at Newcastle, coming through the academy. Of course. And playing there. And Jack Anik left Newcastle because he was very much in the same style as his first name compatriot Jack Hamilton where he would just <laughs> flap at everything, he would just constantly flap at stuff I actually he think have... he's developed into a decent goalkeeper to be honest at this level Yeah, I think, I think, yeah for this level he does look more than good enough but he definitely could do better <laughs> at Boise's goal because he's really it's, it's not in the corner, it's like Suter's header against Celtic where Bain is massively at fault it's not hugely in the corner. It's reasonably central, and it goes under Jack's hand. But at the same time, listen, Boyd said to me last week, he hates thinking back to that St. Mirren game because he feels that he could have done more and the team could have done more. You can't ask for more of what he did on Saturday. He is the best striker we've had in at least a decade. Like, he's just exceptional at everything because it's not just like oh yeah look that was a great finish it's a definition of a striker's finish takes it on his weak foot cuts it back drills it into the net it's his all round play he never has a bad game like even when he's quiet you go oh yeah but he was influential here he was influential here he did that that was amazing and you still get the feeling that he may well pop up with one I always feel like Boyce can score in a game and how rare is that for us to have (laughs) normally it's like right the the moon needs to be high in the sky we need everybody to be quiet we need it to be really like nice temperature and then if we just don't put a defence in front of our strikers they have got a 50-50 chance of scoring now with Boyce we were that was totally against the run of play it was our only real chance of the second half 
but when you have a player of Boyce's quality, he takes it. So it's the difference, isn't it? Um, yeah. it's, it is amazing that we're now getting that kind of quality back. Um, I'm a big fan of you saying that essentially both our winning goals are lucky and that the opposition could do better. I mean, I'll take that every single yeah. week. Um, yeah. And funnily enough, just before we came on air, actually, whoscored.com, obviously the site that I write for, released their Scottish Premiership Team of the Week. Liam Boyce is actually ranked second, and he's the only Celtic player not in the top five ratings, which speaks volumes. And he's, he's higher rated than Furuhashi, who grabbed a hat-trick. Wow, that's fucking hell. That's no. a... Bo- Did you write these? I, Did I, you do it? I, I didn't. I saw I saw who scored retweet it, because obviously I've got the notifications on just in case. Um, and I had a, a quick glance. They've got Ryan Christie at a 10... And then Boyce, I think, is a 9.5 or something like that. Um, I'll take it. I mean, I I, I certainly didn't write it. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll probably end up getting dogs abuse off a load of Celtic fans that yeah. think I have written it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just... Obviously then, again, I, I'm not watching the game. I have no idea how it's going. And then I just see it pop up on the video printer. Jeff Sterling confirms it. And by then I'm just screaming the house down, just begging that with, what, about 15 minutes on the clock that we see it out. Um, Watching the highlights back again, though, I I wanted to ask you about something because we touched on the lack of options off the bench. A player that did come off the bench was Aaron McInef, and he Mm -hmm. struck the post with a very vicious strike um, that would have been an absolute worldie um, from from the Irishman's perspective. Patient passing build-up, Great strike, like I say. I was listening to the Sports Sound podcast this morning because I mentioned, obviously, that I was watching Soccer Saturday on Match Day. Um, and I, I quite like listening to the pod to kind of review the weekend and whatnot. Um, and Michael Stewart was saying something along the lines of, and I want to get the quote right, he said, I still think that they're missing a playmaker in the middle of the park who can just dictate the tempo of the game, take the ball under pressure. Does he fit that bill for you? Because he seems like the only central midfielder currently at the club that potentially could, to me. I think he's half of that. I think he's definitely the type of player that can take the ball under pressure and kind of do something with it, whether that's fortify it backwards and kind of take the sting out of the game or take it forward and either hit a long ranger or just be involved in an attacking passage of play. I don't know if he's the type of player to dictate a game, though, like a herring. Where, because I always just feel like those players tend to be a bit more defensive because they're sitting in front of the back four, watching the whole game unfold. Like, like for example, obviously the best player in the world at it just now is Kante. He is far more defensive. Like, he will still get forward, but he's generally more defensive. I don't think McInef can, can can run a game, if you know what I mean. But I definitely think he's the most creative out of our midfielders. And you see that with the goal he scored against Alloa, the way he took it down and scored it. He, he loves a long ranger, and they're always quite close. They're never, like, miles off. Obviously, that one was... it. It's bending away. So it's going in, but just hits off the post I think that's to do with the angle that he hits it at as well because yeah. it c- seems to come across him and then he's trying to sort of bend it like a postage stamp type finish um, but maybe it just gets the execution wrong I don't know um, But yeah that's that's probably true but I think 
It's a weird one. Mac and F's such a weird one because we spent money on them. Like, we never do that. And obviously, it sounds like we've done it for another player that we'll get speaking to, but we very rarely buy a player. So when you buy a player at Hearts, it's like, all right, okay, that's it. Going, I remember when Sean Clare, and it was like 150 grand, and it was like, oh my God, right, he's going to be in the team no matter what happens. Like, we just need to play him to get our money's worth. McInef hasn't felt like that. And especially with the amount of players we're signing in his position, I don't know what he must be thinking. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm thinking, because obviously he's been given the number eight shirt as well. Yet, mm-hmm. like you say... He does seem to be kind of dropping down the pecking order, which seems bizarre given, obviously, we, like you say, we've paid money for him and signed him last season. And surely then I'm thinking, it can't have been, you know, a temporary fix to get us over the line from January to May in the championship. Like, it, it is a weird one. I don't know maybe whether that's one for the listeners. Let us know your thoughts on, on Aaron McInef, mm-hmm. but... I had mentioned Scott Tanzer's delivery somewhere. Um, I think it might have been on Di Stefano Talks. Uh, and Saints would claw one back from the left wing back's cross. A fairly needless foul from Michael Smith. You know me, I'm very complimentary on Michael Smith, but I don't it's think not he a foul, to make that though. challenge. It's not a foul. It's soft, but. It's so soft. He went ballistic, and rightly so. Like, he touches the guy and he goes down. I know you could go, well, just Smith's take your mitts off him or whatever. Yeah. But you sh- you can touch him like you're allowed to do that. I think I think the ref had an awful game for something that I'll speak about at the end. I thought he was I thought he was genuinely appalling for one thing that he did. And like, I was going to say I don't think I don't think they were that bad because I think they got the offside right in the first half. They genuinely he like hindered. I'll speak about it in a bit. I'll speak about it in a bit. But I maybe need to see that back actually. It's never <laughs> a foul. It's. It's never a foul. But, of course, I mean, it's all well and good saying that, but... Hearts it almost could... doesn't matter because it comes from the second phase of play anyway. Exactly, and this is what I was then going to touch on because Hearts could and should prevent the cross from coming in. Yeah. It is a lovely ball from Scott Tanzer, who I think is quite actually an underrated player. Um, mm-hmm. Picks up Joe Shaughnessy up from the back, nods home... Sets up a very nervy finish. By this point, my screaming and, you know, being up off the sofa is long gone. I'm sitting with a cushion, hood up, just watching through, you know, a tiny little um, little peeping hole, if you like. What were you thinking? Well, I don't... Th- I think the goal's very preventable, as you say. I think it's more Nandwili's fault. It's kind of a combination between him and Halkett, but... And the prevention of the cross, potentially. We should be stopping the cross. Initially, we absolutely should be stopping the cross. Seeing that moment when St Mirren scored, I went, oh God, this is bad, making for nearly five minutes. Now, I I was watching the Hearts TV coverage. Um, Robert Borthwick and Lloyd Dunsire were fantastic. They were obviously getting a feed, and we were getting highlights so I'm just sitting going, oh God, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. Like, hold on for the next five minutes. And then we see Peter Herring on the floor. Adam, explain what happened next. There's been a red card, but for who, Laurie Dunsire? <laughs> um, Christian Dennis is deservedly sent off, um, given, you know, like you say, the Saints have clawed one back. We take kickoff. It's played back. And Peter Hanning gets in Christian Dennis's way. Big fan of that. 
Um, but the buddy's front man needlessly appears to elbow him in the side of the head. Um, what did you make of it? Because even Jim Goodwin said post-match, you know, it's, it's funny when managers don't defend their players. Even Jim Goodwin acknowledged that whilst Christian Dennis isn't that type of player, there's no excuse in that. What, what is did he you doing? make of it? Well, as I say, I was watching the house TV coverage, so I just see the ref putting a red in his pocket and walking towards Herring, and I'm like, is Herring doing that thing? Because obviously Herring had been booked. Is Herring doing that thing where he's just crunched somebody but knows he's going to get sent off, so he's lying on the ground going, I'm in so much pain. You wouldn't send off a man in so much pain, (laughs) would you? But then the camera cuts to Michael Smith trying to fight Christian Dennis, and I'm like... Oh wait, he's walking off. And then you see the replay and it's just, it's the weirdest sending off you'll see all season. Because you're so right. There's like four minutes left. They've they just got on one back into the game. They're in the ascendancy. They're, they've got all their fans pulling them on and stuff like that. We're like, right, let's batten down the hatches and just <laughs> not throw this away. And all Herring does is something that ev- our centre midfielders do this every time from kickoff, whether it's the first... <laughs> Um, the like first whistle or the half time whistle or there's been a goal we do it because all it does it's such a simple tactic the ball gets played back to a centre half and then the centre midfielder just blocks off the oncoming attacker and it gives the press or whatnot. it gives the central defender maybe two extra seconds for them to find a pass all Dennis has to do <laughs> is just go round here that's like, exactly the way in it <laughs> like you just need to take one step extra to the right. And Herring is... It's not like Herring's going to crunch him or Herring's going to track him. Herring's job is just to go, oh, I'll just step across. It's just... Even if a 17-year-old did it, you'd go, that's mental. But Dennis is, like... Dennis has been a footballer for several years. Like, it was just insane. And from that point on, I was like, okay. That's, that's them effectively we've... throwing away the chance to... Yeah, you know, claim a point from from two down. Um, Michael Smith could have sealed the deal late on, wasn't to be. Um, I think this is going to sound extremely harsh. I was going to say I think anybody else probably scores, but it was actually a really nice build up. Um, and it to is, be fair, it's a bit of a tight angle. Probably should score, but I actually think it's none thoughts? of that. I think it's just a fantastic save because he gets a from hand to it. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> it's. It's not like he just blocks it with his body or his knee or anything like that. He gets a hand to it. And it is... it is. I think Smith does everything right. He takes it, takes a touch in front of him so it beats the defender. He goes for the opposite corner. I think it's just one of those situations where you just go, oh, fair play. That's just a great save. And so that then confirmed full-time Hearts claim their first league win in Paisley since 2010, like we touched on their first win in Renfrewshire against the Buddies since 2012. What a feeling. And considering last week I said if you'd have offered me four points from the opening two games, I'd have bit your hand off. I was just so pumped. I'm not going to lie. I was genuinely gassed. I thought, this is brilliant. We've claimed our first win against Celtic and I think it was three years. Everybody knows about the kind of Paisley hoodoo. I think it was eight straight matches that St Mirren hadn't lost us through there. What, what what were you thinking come full time? I remember, right, 
a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the opening five fixtures, and <laughs> I went, go. I'm actually quite confident in this. I think that we could get good results here. And what did you say? What was your, Don't just hold your hands up, because audio listeners can't see that. What did you say? Um, I think I said something along the lines of, how many points would you realistically settle for? I think I ended up saying something like seven. Out, you out said, I don't know. I've uh, I've got the quote. Oh, right? I knew you'd come prepared for this. <laughs> you said that if we got anything more than six, you'd be happy. I could seal the deal. <laughs> A week on Saturday, that could be me. Or imagine though, now we go, th- we lose the next three games, and we only get six. But I'll be furious. I was genuinely confident. I, I will say, I want to touch on something that I did mention there. How Gary Mackay-Steven wasn't helped by the referee in that game is mental. <laughs> in the opening two minutes, he gets a flying elbow to the head and Nielsen goes ballistic, McCulloch goes ballistic, Forrest goes ballistic, Herring sprints over to the ref and he's like, he's literally... Like, he couldn't get up for like 30 seconds... He looked like he was going to pass out. Nothing. Not even a card. Nothing. Then, he gets stamped on the ankle. And this is where I was saying that the ref was genuinely appalling. Our players are running over going, how's that not a foul? How's that not a free kick? How's that not a yellow? What a referee should do in that situation, when you can see the physical pain that GMS is in, is wave the physio on and then speak to the players. Instead, what he does is, is he leaves GMS writhing in pain at his feet and just speaks to the Hearts players. And then you see Halkett run up and you see a mouth get a physio on. And the ref physically goes, oh yeah, and then signals the physio on. Barry Anderson spoke about it in his article. It's genuinely disgraceful. Like, he was clearly hurt. GMS wasn't... And like, the St. Mary fans booed him when he was getting treated and then five minutes later he had to come off he looks quite badly hurt in the moment and it's what is the ref doing? I, I noticed loads of folk reported exactly that um, and Robbie even said it post-match didn't he that when you've got flair players you know they're the target for the opposition and whatever massive fan of that group portrait and Gary Mackay Stephen just you know it's like a smug little smile up to the St Mirren fans. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's our thumbnail right there. That's that's yeah. the inspiration. Um, but yeah, I, that's exactly how I felt. I, I think I'm gonna. I was trying to sort of reenact that Gary Mackay Stephen smile come all Saturday night because I was just buzzing. But you had alluded to earlier that there was initial doubts with regards to the the substitutes bench. Um, and I think there was criticism suggesting that we need a few more additions, one of whom appears to be arriving, um, mm-hmm. with Robbie Nielsen confirming that Hearts have agreed a deal to sign Newcastle Jets midfielder Cameron Devlin. Um, the, 23-year-old, the 23-year-old Australian is set to sign after you know a work permit secured. Um, your thoughts? Because... We've obviously touched on the fact that centre half is probably top of the pile when it comes to recruitment, top of the priority pile. Um, but I think it then gives us a little bit of leeway in terms of players currently at the club. I have four different 
points on this. The player, the deal, the recruitment, and Peter Herring. Start at the beginning, the deal. This is the most shithouse deal of all time, and I fully <laughs> rate it. I fully rate this, and if this is the way we do our transfer business now, I'm all for it. Is this if, because I'd seen that he's not played, and it's something like the fact that the release clause, can you... So, yeah. yes, I can elaborate on this, because I, I read into this because I was fascinated by it. So, for those who don't know, Cammy Devlin signed for the Newcastle Jets in June 2021. <laughs> he signed for them five and a half weeks ago, on the day that this podcast goes out. He hasn't had a training session with them, because he's been at the Olympics. He hasn't featured for them. He's just had the photo taken in the kit, and then he flew out to the Olympics. What has happened was, the Newcastle Jets signed him from a New Zealand side, where he did very well. They then put a release clause in. I don't know what the release clause is. That's where we then became available, uh, kind of known to him. All we then did was, oh, okay, we'll just meet the release clause, and you have to accept it. Because so we're just a met... in Europe, I saw, wasn't it? Yeah. So we met the release clause, and the club didn't have any option. We then went to Cami Devlin, do you want to come to Gorky? And he went, yeah, of course I do, like... Okay, bye, and just is leaving without ever because he's clearly just rated us higher, and the clubs just went. You're a little Australian side. We'll pay out your release clause, and he's coming. So first of all, but that's class. More of that, please, Hearts. Secondly, the player himself. I think he looks good. All I've seen of him is he scored that raker. That's the only clip I've seen. Oh no, don't tell me but, it's a case of YouTube scouting. I mean, there's no this FDI looking like it's the Joel Sked scouting. It's Joel Sked uh, scouting. Because Joel Sked watched them for hours uh, on Y Scout and did an article about them. And he was like, initially, if you'd them as a Ryan Jack type, and he was like, okay, that that's good that we would like that. He then said, I can't remember who the middle person was, where he was like, Okay, I'm now very excited. And then he ended with, he looks to be on Julian Brelli's level. So he's absolutely bussing. <laughs> um, apparently, he's a player that really gets about. There's a clip of him that I have seen where he loses the ball on the edge of the opponent's box and the rest of his team start to push back and he just sprints forward right into the centre of the box whilst simultaneously telling his teammates to keep the press going, wins it back, cuts it back to his teammate and he scores. And apparently that's exactly what he's like. He's like a wee pit bull that you just kind of let him go. Really, really good. He had the second highest um, interceptions in the New Zealand league. He had the highest pass completion, highest tackles. And all of them would put him... If you took those exact numbers, they would all be put in the top five of the Premiership last season. So, generally, also he's 22, so it's another young player coming in that hopefully we give time to. I get what people mean when it comes to recruitment, where do we need another centre-mid? I agree, I would rather assign a centre-half, and then this is where it comes into the Peter Herring thing. I spoke to Craig Fowler about this, actually. I have a worry that Robbie Nielsen isn't going to extend Peter Herring's contract beyond this year. So this is your I don't, little theory. I don't think Nielsen rates Herring as much as he rates the other midfielders in the club. And that terrifies the shit out of me. 
So Herring is out of contract at the end of the season. He and various others, which I'm sure we'll. Oh, there's on. like uh, there's like fifteen at, at, at a later stage. You know, yeah. you know, like last season when we were kind of looking at transfer market and kind of the players that we could swoop for on a free contract. I think we'll probably wait till then to kind of see because there you could literally form a first Hearts eleven. I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. Herring has only really played bit parts as a, apart from this weekend where he started. Herring has regularly been coming off the bench. He hasn't been starting. For me, Peter Herring is one of the first four names on the team sheet. For me, like, I I think he is just, like, our best player. I know, like, Gordon, Suter and Boyce are the 3 They're the spine of the team. But I think Herring is that midfield part of the spine. Wow, would I you think chuck him in before Michael Smith? Yeah, genuinely. But I wow. just think Herring... And that's a claim from me, who is in love with Michael Smith and has Smith on the back of my most recent heart's top. Like, I adore Michael Smith with all my heart. To all the folk who, by the way, this... We're not speaking about this, but some folk doubted giving Smith a new deal. Oh, don't go, even go there. Go don't. fuck yourself. Like, that's mental. Don't. That's, but, that's one of the worst takes. That should be on those horrendous football take Twitter accounts that you see. Yeah. The carry on. Exactly. That's mental. But... Hearing is equally worthy of a new deal. And it really worries me that we're signing loads of people in his position. Because, listen, if Cammy Devlin comes in as class and Benny continues the form of his opening two games, I have no problem at all with that being our two. I just worry that Hearing's going to be pushed to the side far in just like in a way that he shouldn't be, because when he came into that team, I know it coincided with Suter coming at the team at the end of the season, but he also came in and helped that side. He came on against Celtic, and the game changed completely. We started to become more dominant. I think he's the best midfielder at the club in terms of controlling a game. I know he's not as mobile, for example, as Benny. I know he doesn't score as many goals as Halliday. I, I totally get that. And he's not as young as Pollock. But he's so crucial. Some people have said he might be dropping back into centre half in terms of... You touched on that too there. I think that would be a brilliant bench option and I know that sounds stupid just because of the versatility but then equally if he's in the first 11 then we've got the flexibility to move him mm-hmm. at the back or alternatively in midfield. But If it comes out that he is being transitioned into centre half I'm fine with that. I just want him to stay and it worries me that he's, he doesn't seem to be at least as valued as highly as I personally think he should be. I think you might be onto something there because with regards to the championship campaign, you know, there was a lot of calls for Haring to come back in much sooner than Robbie had initially chucked him in. Because we that thought, five months where he just didn't feature did not yeah, receive yeah, yeah. the level of criticism it should have done. Exactly, because I, I, I was looking at it thinking, we've seen what he's capable of in the Premiership. Surely it shouldn't matter against championship opposition, with all due respect to the teams in that division, when he's then put back in. Because then he'll get up to speed quickly enough. But you might well you I'm telling you, you might be onto something there. I hope I'm not. Is... I really hope I'm not. Like I hope I could I hope this is just one of the mental conspiracy theories that football fans have and hearing plays forty times in the next two years and I'm just made to look an idiot. I want that more than anything because I don't want to be right about this. Well, there is a match that Big Pete could feature in, and that is, of course, us taking on Celtic in the Premier Sports Cup. 
round of 16 tie through at Parkhead on Sunday. Um, what do you want with regards to team selection, the game plan? Because let's be frank, you know, we've done them in the league. They've just come off a 6-0 battering. Usually, a culmination of all these various factors, it only leads into a recipe for disaster from a from a heart's perspective. What are you thinking? Oh, God, I really, really don't know. I know that all the stats have been thrown around where it's like the last two times we've beaten Celtic at Parkhead has been in this exact round of the League Cup. So therefore, it's going to happen. But... <laughs> All I'd say, I'd play the exact same team. If Kingsley's back in, I'd I'd put Kingsley in. Ahead of. Because you can't drop Halliday after that, surely. Even though he probably is a walking booking in front of that capacity crowd at Parkhead. I'd probably drop Cochrane out. I think Cochrane's been pretty faultless. I, I genuinely think Cochrane's looked very good. And it's like, it's so refreshing to have just a signing come in and just be exactly what you want just not not exceptional not the best player that we've got nothing exciting or built up just humble he come yeah he just comes in we'd never heard of him he just went I'll do this and so far he's doing exactly what he said he would do that's great but I'd like to keep Herring in because I think Herring especially at Celtic Park will be able to dictate that game and it'll allow Benny to kind of have a bit more freedom and Benny did so well, obviously, against them at home. I don't know what he's going to be like on a bigger park. I don't know if that'll help him or hinder him. Hearing, however, we know, we saw it at Hamden against Celtic a couple of years ago, he can deal with them on a big park. So I'd play basically the same team. If Kingsley's back, swap him in. But if he's not, then I don't think that's a nightmare scenario. Cochrane I'm fine with I'd still play I'd just play that exact formation and team I hope we don't revert back to a 4-2-3-1 or anything like that I would start at left wing back despite yeah. obviously t- being that walking booking like we say but that would then scream that we're perhaps looking to cause problems as opposed to in my eyes anyway as opposed to Smith and Cochrane I think Halliday and Smith bombing on is a lot more offensively menacing 100% I could not disagree with you I think it's obviously the result matters the most if we have another situation where we have 20% possession and we win it by a goal who gives a fuck will be through but I will not accept a loss but a loss will be so much easier to take if we play well not that patented have a goal because Dundee had a goal at the weekend and they got beat yeah. 6-0 but what I mean by had a go there is I don't mean they were like free fall attacking football <laughs> yeah yeah like Dundee just looked like they were actually trying to do something but they're rubbish so they got battered as a result I, listen their parkhead record's even worse than ours I think I heard on sports scene they haven't won there in 20 years 20 years 2001 I mean not even we have had to wait uh, as long as that um, yeah that's 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 no great. But oh, I, I, I really don't know. I, I get what you mean because I think Robbie gathering these results as he has recently, you know, I think, did Andy Halliday say it was 11 clean sheets prior to the Celtic game? Um, yeah, it was because Gordon broke that record. At the back end, of yeah. yeah. Of course, six out of six, like we'd said at the very start of the pod. Um, I, I, I think most fans 
are just wanting a performance because there's no expectation. I think at, at home it's a different scenario where we've caused them problems before, needless uh, or needless to say, because obviously that transpired you know a week or two ago. Um, but through there is just a totally different different ball game, um, and I, I'm kind of with you in that the league cups bottom of the priority pile for me anyway goes without mm-hmm. saying if we yeah. put in a decent performance carry that into the games against Aberdeen United Hibs and can claim points in them I'm can I'll take that that's all the day. thing I don't want anybody misconstruing this and going oh so you'd rather play well and get beat than play shit and win of course not absolutely I'd, not I'd, I'd rather I'd actually rather play abysmally and win because that's funnier. That makes it funnier <laughs> to see Celtic fans lose their shit. Like after, that's funny. After the six 0 win. Exactly. That and of would course be they play, they play midweek as well, so there's every chance that they'll go through because I think what are they four two up in their four first two legs? Up, yeah, yeah. So. Um but I think if you have six from six wins and then you go away to Parkhead and put, give a good account of yourself despite losing that we can't really well, complain. Exactly, and I th- obviously everybody's been speaking about it. The results that we've had so far have absolutely bought Robbie time, or if you want to go more than that, has kind of turned some people's heads and went, "Oh, actually, maybe yes." Do it. like you literally can't ask for more than six wins out of six. Like so far, Robbie Nielsen is absolutely smashing it. I want to. Also, he did another thing at the weekend where he made a sub and it changed the game. Nandwili came on and was excellent. Nandwili was so good when he came on. He just was a focal point. If Nandwili isn't on that pitch, I don't think Boyce scores that goal. Because Shaughnessy had been marking Boyce the whole game. You'd seen it, he had been following him the whole time. Nandwili comes on and at that goal, all the centre-halves are dragged across to Nandwili who had picked up the ball and it gave Boyce that extra one second that Boyce needs because he had dropped a wee bit deeper. If he wants to chuck Nandwili on at Parkhead, go for it because I think off the bench, Nandwili has been fantastic. Like I just don't think he's put a foot wrong. Nielsen is doing very, very well this season. I think if we go to Parkhead... And we don't get absolutely battered six 0 then it's like, well, you know what? We at least did something. We we went there with a plan. It ne- didn't necessarily work, but we looked good. We take that into, as you say, the Aberdeen game, the Dundee United game, the Hibs game, and so on. I think he's recorded our best result at Parkhead in a long time. What that nil nil in twenty fifteen? Yeah. I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, we've got one monkey off our back with the St Mirren win. What chance do you give us through there and what are you predicting in terms of the scoreline? I think we're going to get beat 4-1. I think it's another, it's one of these situations where it's Parkhead. Like, even if Celtic played the exact same team they played against us at home, like with Scott Bain in and stuff like that, I still think we get beat 4-1 because there's just something about Hart going to Parkhead that just were awful. But... As soon as we pass Hart Hill bar going to Hamden... Exactly. Exactly. Do you think that's a mentality thing, or why? Why? Why do you think that's the case? I honestly don't know because it goes beyond players and managers because it's been so long. But then you could say that about St Mirren, like the fact that it was over a decade and there were countless players, countless managers, and stuff like that. But we've got it players could, that can hurt them. This is the thing. Yeah, it could be. It could be the pitch. It could be that like 
we're used to a really narrow pitch. That's the thing about Tynecastle that it's you're really on top of it, and the pitch itself is quite narrow, and that's how we play. And that's we're what makes Celtic. it tricky for opposition teams, and they've got exactly. more space. And yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know, um, but I just think I think I'm going four-one loss because I just I'm never confident going there ever. It's funny. I saw scars around the funnel. Asked the question: Have you ever seen Hearts win at Parkhead? I've been to Parkhead once. Under Levine, top of the league, riding high, got smashed five nil, um, and vowed never again to to set foot. So, yeah, um, I, I won't be tuning in. I'm just going to distract myself. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is. We don't want to end it all doom and gloom, so we are going to end with a, a positive note. And you had mentioned our home, the home of football earlier, just there. Wait! Um, what? He didn't give a score prediction. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Don't <laughs> try and move on, mate. Give him uh, one. I thought I could escape that there. Um, you know what? You've said it, so it's not as bad if I say it as well. 4 1, we'll go with. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's such a cop out, isn't it? That's embarrassing. Um, I know. But we are gonna, we are going to end on a positive note, like I say. And um, with Hearts releasing a statement before we came on air, uh, and I'm just going to read it in full. So, mm-hmm. Hart Midlothian is delighted to confirm that we will be able to welcome back all of our season ticket holders for our upcoming Cinch Premiership match against Aberdeen. The club has been in positive discussions with the City of Edinburgh Council over the past few days, and it has been unanimously agreed that Tynecastle Park can be, going forward, open to its capacity. This is clearly a decision that we are extremely pleased with, and we thank the City of Edinburgh Council for their cooperation. Now every season ticket holder who wishes to attend the visit of Aberdeen on August 21st and watch the Jambos live and in person will be able to do so. Supporters who have purchased a Hearts Pass and encouraged to contact the Hearts ticket office from tomorrow, Tuesday onwards, in order to purchase their seat for the season. Um, As per the latest joint response group update, a red zone is still required at the stadium in order to maintain a football bubble. This means that some areas of Tynecastle will remain sterile and not open to supporters. Therefore, in some instances, season ticket holders will be moved to different areas of the stadium. The Hearts ticket office will be in touch with those affected. Further details regarding tickets for the Aberdeen game and a general sale for season tickets will be made in due course. How buzzing are you with that? We're back! We're going to games and I'm so buzzing! It's class. I've seen I've seen some folk be like, well, it's not full capacity if there's red zones. And it's like, shut the fuck up! We're coming back! It's got The red zones, by the way, are stuff like the seats right near the dugouts, and because our dugouts are built into the stand almost, they're really close. You can't even be that close because of that's fans potentially mixing within teams so it's just stuff like that there's other i've seen people go at celtic park don't have that yeah because celtic park's dugouts are like out a bit so they're not near all that who cares about semantics and stuff like that we're getting back to games time castle will be full as full as it hopefully can be on Aber- uh, for the aberdeen game for the first time since we fucking drew one all in Motherwell in March 2020. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I literally could not sum it up any better than that. I mean, I've been lucky in the ballot. Um, I'm not going to lie, but it is... Oh, it's just going to be amazing. You know, that the atmosphere from that Celtic game of 5,000 
for our next two matches at Tiny, Aberdeen and Hibs to potentially have a full house. It's just going to be absolutely rocking and I cannot wait to be a part of those two undoubtedly fantastic atmospheres. So, cannot wait for it. Well, see, we promised you we weren't going to end on a depressingly sad note about getting battered at Celtic Park. We're coming back to see us get battered at home by Aberdeen. <laughs> Come on. Can't wait. But yes, massive thank you for giving us a listen on this, our 5-1 episode, our 50th anniversary. Remember, there is that giveaway. All the details are in the description. Please get involved with it. It's fantastic. Adam's showing it right now over there. It's a brilliant print. But yeah, we are Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials at Perth to Paisley. It's all in front of me and below me on the screen. But if you're listening, we're at Perth to Paisley on every form of social media. You can also get us on YouTube. You can watch us and see the print for yourself if you rather please subscribe please leave a like it really does help if you are listening to the podcast audially you can get us on all good podcast platforms please leave us a review on your platform of choice it massively helps algorithms it's just class and it shows that you're actually enjoying the show we just want to quickly say thank you so much for the support on last week's episode it is far and away the most popular episode we've ever done. We know that that's because of Liam Boyce. We know we're not in some false narrative that's like, you're here for us. But we hope that some of you will stick around and have enjoyed what you heard last week and this week and will stay with us. But if you want to stick around with us personally, Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall and yourself, mate. I'm at dmciver22. We'll be back next week to discuss any potential incomings or outgoings. The result that is hopefully a positive one at Celtic Park and previewing the Aberdeen game. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Keep the faith. Mother JTs! Mother JTs!